The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Rocks episode number 31. Today's Monday, January 16th, and I am joined by Jeff Yanimal Wilson. And um, we took a took a week off because there wasn't a whole lot going on in the MMA world, and I had a lot going on. But we're back now, which is more than we can say for BJ Penn's career after last mm-hmm. night. Uh, how you doing, Jeff? Um, I'm a little sore, but not, I'm not feeling as bad as BJ Penn is on this day. Yeah, I don't know. So that's a good sign. Yeah, I don't know what's hurting more today, his his head or his ego. Because, I mean, this this guy is just, I guess we'll just jump right into it. This, this is a legend of the sport. Two-division world champion. He's fought all over the world. He, he, he's one of the most game and tough competitors in the sport ever. I mean, he's fought guys that have fought at light heavyweight, and he's fought as low as as featherweight. But uh, the sport just kind of passed him by. It, it was unfortunate to see what Yair Rodriguez did to him last night at uh, Fight Night 103 in Arizona. I know you didn't get to see a lot of it, but I know you caught kind of the end of the main event. So what was your uh, reaction to BJ's loss? I couldn't believe it, man. Uh, it wasn't even five seconds into the second round, and BJ went down with basically the yeah, Rodriguez's first shot. Uh, it was pretty sad to watch, man. Uh, you know, BJ Penn, like you said, he's he's got so many accolades. He's definite Hall of Famer. He's done so much for the sport, and we've seen him go through some wars, man, with George St. Pierre and Matt Hughes, but. Um, I think he's got to know when to call it, man. Yeah. Uh, his his last win was in 2010, and that was a 22nd fight against Matt Hughes. Before that, he dropped two to Frankie Edgar. The last time we really saw BJ Penn look super sharp was when he fought Diego Sanchez and just mauled him and uh, scored a TKO in the fifth round. That was back in 2009. Uh, but, yeah... It, you gotta you gotta admire his his fighting spirit because here's a guy who really doesn't need to fight. I don't think he he ever really needed to fight. He was born into money. Uh, he comes from a fairly wealthy family in Hawaii. He's he's running a couple of gyms out there now. He owns uh, one of the premier news sites in mixed martial arts, BJPen.com, uh, which breaks a lot of news in MMA. Uh, I'm sure he has like an agency running it at this point because they're all over social media everything like that but yeah so there there was nothing that got him in that cage except you know the desire to compete and what you saw was just a shell of a person who used to be at the top of the heap in two weight classes i mean this this guy fought leota machida who you know was a light heavyweight at one point 
Um, he, he looked good physically. Um, I, I always said that a BJ Penn with abs is is the, the one of the most dangerous fighters you'll ever see. So when I saw him come into the octagon and he looked, you know, pretty cut, uh, I thought it was a good sign. But as soon as the fight started, he was two or three steps behind Rodriguez, who looked great. But if you're Yair Rodriguez, I don't know how you feel good about yourself. I mean, this was like beating up an old man at a bus stop. I mean, there's there's really. I mean, yeah, you have this this win over a legend under your belt, but um, I can't really see it taking taking much pride in that. But he did look good. Uh, he had some awesome kicks that that seemed to come out of nowhere, and BJ just didn't have an answer for it. Uh, I think he's got a really unique style, and I think he's got a bright future. Uh, what do you see next for Rodriguez, or what would you like to see next for him in the featherweight division, Jeff? Uh, Yair Rodriguez, we've talked about him before on the show. He's an awesome fighter. Um, I would like to see him try and crack a guy in the top five, man. Yeah. Uh, he's got so much potential. He's crazy athletic. Uh, he's got a good background story where uh, he was partying a lot, and then uh, fighting basically took him out of that, put him on the right path and all that. So he's got the it factor, you know, if he can improve his interview skills a little bit. But – uh, like I said, I want to see him try and crack the guy in the top five. Uh, but going back to what you said, and an awesome point you made was, you know, EJ Penn, he's he's on his way out. Yeah. So, so maybe last night wasn't uh, a great display from Yair Rodriguez. Again, I only saw the end of the fight. But Yair Rodriguez is a very interesting fighter to watch. Yeah, for sure. You, you kind of have to wonder the UFC's motives for putting BJ Penn in there uh, in a main event. Uh, he was supposed to main event a couple of times. Uh, he was supposed to fight in the Philippines, and they had to cancel the whole card because he was injured. And you have all the footage of, of Penn training at Greg Jackson's, which rumor has it this footage is old. It's from over a year ago, and he hasn't really been training there lately. Uh, if he had been, it would be kind of a different story, I guess. But um, you, you really have to question their motives. And, and what what would you do with him if he won? Because then you're taking out one of your top up-and-coming stars who's losing to this older fighter. Uh, I guess if he wins, do you give him a title shot right away? Uh, do you put him against Max Holloway and have, you know, like an ultimate fighter Hawaii? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, maybe that angle I could see, but, uh, man, it, all I have to say is it's, it's a good thing that probably a lot of people didn't see this. It was a Sunday night card. It was on kind of late. So if anybody had work or anything like that, uh, they, they didn't catch this one and it's probably for the best because, uh, here's a guy, you don't want to remember BJ Penn like we saw him last night. Uh, another surprise last night was the co-main event. Joe Lozon um, took on uh, Martin Held. So Martin Held is an excellent grappler. He came over from Bellator and lost his first fight against Diego Sanchez. They they had a really great fight, and Martin Held won a split decision. And it was very controversial to the point that Joe Lozon got on the microphone after the fight and said, I 100% disagree. I did not win that fight. 
I feel bad for Martin Held. Uh, I've been screwed over in decisions before, and he got screwed over tonight. So uh, kind of a stand-up move from Joe Lozon, uh, getting out there and, and speaking out against the judging like that. And he has been on, you know, he has gotten the raw end of the deal on some decisions. But uh, what do you think about the results of this fight? And what do you think about Lozon's reaction to the decision, Jeff? Uh, a lot of credit to Joe Lozon, man. To come out and say, you know, I didn't win. I don't think the judging was appropriate. Uh, speaks volumes, man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, I didn't get to see this fight either. Uh, so I can't tell you who won or not. But, you know, all the credit to Joe Lozon. He's a good sport. Uh, an awesome fighter. And uh, I just hope it was a good fight for both of these guys. Yeah, I think uh, neither of their stock false uh lozon is is a perennial contender i think he's he's always um you know up there in the conversation for for the best fighters in that division and um you know he has i guess he can understand because i think his last fight which i believe was against jim miller i thought lozon clearly won that fight and uh, you know he dropped the decision to miller and he was he was even humble in that he said you know there's nothing i could do um, the the judges saw it a different way. I disagree, but you know that's that's the way it goes. So uh, you have to admire the the mentality and the state of mind of, of Joe Lozon. And uh, you know Martin Held looked good, and Lozon even said after the fight that if the UFC is thinking about uh, cutting him, that he would you know put in a call himself and vouch for him to say that this guy's tough. He deserved to be there. Uh, I, I don't know how controversial the decision was. I, I think Lozon clearly won uh, the first round. He almost finished him. Uh, he he had him up against the cage, and uh, Held was going for a takedown. Lozon was raining down some nasty elbows on him, almost finished him, and then he kind of dove for an arm bar uh, and lost the position there. But Lozon clearly won the first round. Held clearly won the third round and the second round was close. So I I don't think, I don't think it was that far stretched. I definitely scored it, you know, two rounds to one for held, but, uh, you know, if you were, weren't paying too close attention in that second round, then, uh, I could see giving it to Lozon. The, the determining factor for me was that held was able to land takedowns at will, which seems to not, uh, be gaining the same amount of points that it used to. We saw that in the Johnny Hendricks Neil Magny fight, where Johnny Hendricks was able to land takedown after takedown. I don't know how many landed in that fight, but uh, lost the decision. Uh, do you think that's the reason for decisions going this way lately? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I feel like the UFC is becoming super commercialized, man. Ever since uh, the deal with Reebok, I feel like. Um, it's all about putting on a show nowadays instead of, you know, guys going out there and just brawling, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, maybe the stock of wrestlers is falling uh, if you yeah. can't just go out there and, um, and hit takedowns. But it's not like he was taking him down and not doing anything with it. He was he was going for submissions, but obviously Joe Lozon, high-level black belt, he was able to uh, defend the submission attempts of held the fight before that was a really good scrap between ben saunders and court mcgee uh two guys who are uh, are really tough contenders they've 
kind of been in and out of the UFC. I think this is Ben Saunders' third run in the UFC. I think he was cut twice before. Uh, but and yeah. these two guys had trained together before. It, w- it was a really tough fight, and it was really close. Uh, and Court McGee showing, you know, his outstanding cardio as always. I, I think he stole the third round, and I-, I think you could have made an argument for this fight going either way. But Ben Saunders coming away with the unanimous decision. Any uh, reaction to the results of this one, Jeff? Yeah, uh, all the credit in the world to McGee because. Uh, Saunders, yeah, he's been cut from the UFC a few times, but he's a tough contender, man. Yeah. Uh, he's got a really crazy striking. Uh, I understand he's a Jeet Kune Do fighter, at mm-hmm. least the last time I checked he was. So he can come at you from different angles and stuff. So all the credit to Court McGee, man, because Ben Saunders is a contender. Yeah, he's tough to deal with. He's super tall, and, and he's got really long reach for that division, for that 170-pound division. So he's tough to deal with because he's able to keep you at a distance with his striking. And then if you get him down, he's got world-class uh, jiu-jitsu off his back. And, uh, you know, with those long legs, he almost land, He almost um, caught Court McGee in, in what's called a dead orchard, which is basically like a both arms in triangle kind of hard to describe. But, um, you know, those long-legged guys pull off stuff like that. But... Um, I wouldn't expect either of these guys to get cut after this fight. Uh, I think they both look tough, and uh, I would expect to see Court McGee, uh, you know, get back on the horse pretty quick. Uh, fight before that, Sergio Pettis looking pretty good against John Moraga, who, uh, you know, John Moraga uh, lost to the champion Demetrius Johnson, but uh, when he fought him, he he rocked him pretty hard. Uh, I think he's one of the one of the only people to to land a clean shot on Demetrius Johnson in this uh, title run. But Sergio Pettis uh, getting the decision over Moraga, and he looked good. He you know he had uh, some clean technique, and he didn't really look like he was in any trouble at any point in this fight. Uh, any reaction there, Jeff? Uh, I'm a fan of of uh, Sergio Pettis. I like him. Uh, I think that moving down to 125 was a good move for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks really good there. I know he had a rocky start to his UFC career. And, um, dude, uh, good for him that he beat John Moraga. John Moraga, like you said, tough dude, tough contender, hits really hard, uh, solid all around. And John Moraga is a guy that I personally would see in the title picture in the future again if mm-hmm. he strung some wins together. So all the credit in the world to Pettis for pulling out that win. That's a good one. Yeah, and it's it's good to have a, a name kind of coming up in that division because it, the division is basically cleaned out um, because Mighty Mouse has beaten everybody where, to the point where they had to have a reality show to find a contender to fight for that belt. And the guy who won the show put up a great fight but then said, uh, you know, I can't make the weight anymore, and now he's moving up to bantamweight. Uh, John Lineker was another possible contender in that division, and he couldn't make the weight. So there's just not a lot of guys uh, who can compete in this weight class uh, that's basically been cleaned out. The fight of the night was uh, Augusto Mendez versus Frankie Sands, and uh, it was a split decision, really good back-and-forth fight. Augusto Mendez, uh, world champion, jiu-jitsu competitor, but uh, he showed some pretty decent boxing as well. Um, it, it was an exciting fight back and forth, but um, two fairly unknown competitors there. But the fight right before it, 
Uh, heavyweight Alexi Olenik, I believe. I'm usually such a stickler for pronouncing names. Now, this guy um, is Russian, and he had an amazing submission finish over uh, Victor Pesta. He he landed an Ezekiel choke while he was mounted. So huh. for those who don't know, an Ezekiel choke is something that's usually performed in a gi, in gi jiu-jitsu. It's, it's something that's very, very rare in no-gi jiu-jitsu, and it's actually never been pulled off in the UFC. This is the first ever Ezekiel choke in the UFC. And to kind of describe what it is, it's kind of like a rear naked choke from the front. So the, the grip is very similar to a rear naked choke, but your opponent is facing you. And uh, Alexi was able to, he basically baited Pesta into mounting him. So Pesta was kind of on the side and Alexi locked in the Ezekiel choke and allowed Pesta to mount him and then finish the choke from there. It was totally bizarre, but apparently this is his go-to. The guy is 39 years old. He's got over 60 fights, and I think he's hit this like seven or eight times, they were saying, and he's got 41 wins by submission. So uh, super tough guy. Um, and, and yeah, a really bizarre and really impressive submission just something that you wouldn't expect to see and you wouldn't expect guys to go for um so he's kind of got a niche thing going for himself there uh any reaction to any of that jeff i actually wish i could have seen that because uh the ezekiel choke is awesome and like you said it's like a rear naked choke except they're facing your opponent Mm -hmm. and that's awesome dude like i love seeing jujitsu Actually, hold on. I think I found a quick video of it. Oh right. wow! Yeah, it was it was really it was really weird, especially the way he kind of yeah. he kind of baited his opponent to mount him. And you know, this guy before he came into the UFC, he was on a pretty mean uh, winning streak, and he's been fighting all over the world. Uh, he lost his last fight in the UFC. Uh, against Daniel Omelanchik, uh in July, but uh, you know it's definitely. I mean, with with moves like that, with surprise submissions, I, I wouldn't be surprised to uh, to see him on a main card in his next fight. Uh, they call him the Boa Constrictor, and uh, I see why. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It would, uh, if you haven't seen this card, this is definitely. Uh, I would say save yourself the the trouble of of watching the Yair Rodriguez fight. You know, you'd be better off just watching some world star videos. But if you were going to watch a fight uh, on this card, I would definitely recommend Alex Olnaik. I don't know how do you how do you think that one's pronounced, Jeff? Uh, let me see here. It looks like it could be Olenik. Olenik. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds right. Um. Let's see, and, and uh, scanning up and down the card, Walt Harris, heavyweight, uh, with a huge knockout win over Chase Sherman in the second round. Uh, that was one of those uh, scary knockouts. He really dropped them hard. And then uh, Nina Ansaroff, who you may know as the girlfriend of UFC women's bantamweight champion Amanda Nunez, uh, 
she had yep. a really impressive victory over Jocelyn Jones Liebarger. She submitted her in the third round, but before that, she was dominating the entire fight. Uh, she got her in a rear naked choke in the third round, and uh, of course, Amanda Nunez was there. I don't know if she was cornering her or if she was just there. Um, so that was kind of kind of cool to see. Um, she came into the into the cage and congratulated her after the fight. And a, a lot of people were critical of her, saying that you know she's only getting a shot in the UFC uh, because of who she's dating. But uh, she definitely proved that she deserves to be there. So. Um, that was pretty much it for this card. It was uh, it was kind of underwhelming for the most part. There was also Devin Powell, who is one of the uh, Dana White looking for a fight uh, contestants, or, or you know the the YouTube show that Dana White's been doing. Yep. Um, so they found him on there, uh, you know, which is also. The same show where they found Mickey Gall and Sage Northcutt and a, a couple of other fighters that have done well in the UFC. Uh, Devin Powell did not do well. He got completely dominated by uh, Drakkar Close last night and lost a unanimous decision. So um, I guess it's a it's a roll of the dice there with the with the guys they scout on that show from the from the uh, the amateur circuit. So any any reaction to this card as a whole, Jeff? Uh, no, just looking at the results here, uh, it looks like everything kind of went the way it was supposed to, and especially in the BJ Penn fight, man, I mean, seriously, like, when, when you think about it seriously, I mean, I love BJ Penn, but he was looking a lot smaller than Yair Rodriguez, like a weight class smaller. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, and like we said, you know, he's up there in years, man. He's thirty-eight, uh, and he's no Dan Henderson, you know. Yeah, it seems so, that um, you know the only guys that are able to continue on into their forties, and I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but is the American wrestlers. You know, your Dan Hendersons, your Randy Couture's. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's genetics or. If it's you know the, the kind of work ethic that they have or whatever the case is, but um, for whatever reason, those wrestlers are able to sustain a little bit longer in the sport. And uh, gosh, you know, watching this fight last night, uh, I'm sure for the hardcore fans who've who've been watching for a long time, you know, everybody kind of knew how this was going to go. But I think there was a little piece of everybody who was hoping that you know BJ Penn might pull some magic out of the hat and um you know i guess the the ufc was rolling the dice here because you know if he does come out and look good in the off chance then you know they look like superheroes for putting him in there and then if he's able to make a title run at 145 he could become uh the first ufc fighter to win a title in three weight classes obviously that's kind of out the window at this point but um yeah i guess Maybe that was the motivation when they were talking about putting him in a headlining fight uh, against a, a young lion like Yair Rodriguez. But in any case, um, I, I hope for BJ Penn's sake that he's really done this time. I kind of hoped that uh, the last time he fought when uh, when he fought Frankie Edgar because that was that was kind of hard to watch and that was a couple of years ago. So yeah. uh, hopefully this is the end for BJ Penn and. 
hopefully people are, are able to remember him for what he did for the sport. Um, you know, the image of him licking his opponent's blood off his gloves and things like that is, um, would be more favorable, uh, memories for him and, and, um, you know, blowing through guys, knocking them out within seconds when he was in his prime. So hopefully that's what everybody remembers BJ Penn for. Um, as far as UFC, there's nothing really on the horizon, uh, for another two weeks, uh, which is a great card. Um, it's going to be fight night on Fox 23 from Denver, Colorado. And that's a really awesome lineup. It's the main event is going to be Valentina Shevchenko versus Juliana Pena. And I would imagine the winner of this is going to get a title shot. Um, I know Raquel Pennington is kind of waiting in the wings, but, um, uh, the way I see it playing out is that the winner of this will probably get the next shot at Amanda Nunez. And then, uh, you got Cowboy Cerrone and Jorge Mazdaval in the co-main event and Andre Arlovsky and Francis Ngannou also fighting on that card. And then it, it, you got some interesting matchups, uh, the rest of the way up and down, but, uh, any thoughts on the three fights that I mentioned, Jeff? Uh, yeah, that Shevchenko Pena fight is definitely going to be a barn burner. Uh, Pena's been out of action for a while. Shevchenko's been looking good, so I agree with you. I think that one's going to probably be a title eliminator. Although I would like to see uh, Raquel Pennington get a title shot. Um, Arlovsky versus Ngannou. Am I saying his name right? Yeah. That one looks really good. I've seen Ngannou. I would really like his fighting style. He's just a powerful dude, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you really don't want to get hit by him because uh, he can drop you with any shot, really. Um, yeah. I am interested to see this because Arlovsky is getting up there in years as well. Um, I know he's had a rocky couple of fights uh, in his last five fights, but he's kind of also making a comeback. He's ranked number seven right now. Yep. Um, but I'd like to see Ngannou uh, do something special. Because uh, he's like we like I said he's an up and comer, and Donald Cerrone versus Jorge Masvidal. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if this should even be happening. Yeah. Because Donald Cerrone, I feel like he has nothing to gain from from this fight. Yeah, and Masvidal's coming off that kind of weird win over Jake Ellenberger that that should have been turned over and made a no contest, but it actually wasn't. This was. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when Ellenberger got his foot stuck in the cage, he actually did uh, put in an appeal, and the athletic commission said, um, we're not overturning it. And they didn't really give an explanation, which I think is kind of fucked up for Jake Ellenberger because that fight definitely should have been a no contest because Herb Dean called a timeout, basically, when Ellenberger got stuck in the cage, and he didn't know what to do. So he asked the commission, and the commission told him to to stop the fight. So you, it went from a timeout to a loss for Jake Ellenberger, which is, is, you know, beyond unreasonable. Um, so Jorge Masvidal coming off of that. And, you know, he talked his way into a fight with, with Donald Cerrone, who's on a hot streak right now at welterweight. So, um, I, I guess it would do, it was smart on Masvidal's, uh, part to call out Cerrone, he, you know, maybe he's not deserving of this fight, but, uh, you know, he put himself 
in a good situation. And Cerrone, of course, fighting in his home state, uh, Denver, which I think is going to play into the the uh, heavyweight matchup between Arlovsky and Ngannou because on paper this looks like it could be a retirement fight for Arlovsky because Ngannou is ridiculously powerful. But you have to remember this fight's at elevation. So Ngannou carrying all that muscle around, if he's not able to put Arlovsky away uh, in that first round, Arlovsky's a gamer, of course. So um, not really sure. I mean, you can kind of flip a coin on that one. It kind of depends how it goes. I think the longer it goes, the more it benefits Arlovsky. But, uh, and then also on that card, Alex Caceres and Jason Knight, which I think is going to be an awesome fight. Alex Caceres coming off his last fight against uh, Yair Rodriguez, of course. Um, always exciting. And Jason Knight kind of has a wild style. I've been uh, keeping an eye on him for a while. And he's a, he's a big trash talker, too. So he's kind of got that personality to do well in the UFC. Um, as far as not outside the UFC, uh, next weekend, I believe, on the 21st, is uh, Bellator 170, which is headlined by Chel Sonnen and Tito Ortiz. Uh, any thoughts on this headlining fight, Jeff? I'm excited. I love it. It should have happened yesterday. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but real quick, just going back to that UFC fight night, um, uh, the one in Denver, Colorado, January 28th, uh, Saturday. Um, another, this is, I don't know if you're excited as I am as for this one, but uh, Nate the Great Marquardt is going to be fighting Sam Alvey at welterweight. Um, I'm excited for that one, Bill. I feel like it's going to be good if Nate Marquardt sh- shows up. I feel like he can get it done, but uh, it's been a while since we've seen him at his best, so I'm excited for that one. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that uh, Sam Alvey is dropping down to welterweight. Um, yeah. This one, are you sure this one's not at 185? Wait, I'm sorry. It is at 185. I made a mistake. Oh, okay. I, I know that uh, Marquardt had fought at 170 briefly, but, I mean, that's a big dude. I mean, he's... Uh, he... Uh, he he won his last fight against Tandon McCrory, knocked him out. So, um, you know, uh, but like you said, he's been hot and cold for sure for a long time. Um, so yeah, Bellator card coming up, and then uh, are there any? Sorry to cut you off. Well, are there any uh, other fights that stand out to you for that Bellator card uh, besides Chael Sonnen and Tito Ortiz going at it? Uh, well, Paul Daly and Brendan Ward should should probably be a, a pretty good scrap. And then, um, of course, friend of the show, Colleen Schneider, uh, is making her Bellator debut against Rebecca Ruth. That, that opens up the card. Uh, so I'm always excited to see Colleen fight. And uh, looking up and down. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Why? Did yeah. you see something else jumping out at you, Jeff? Uh, just, just seeing Colleen on the card, uh, was really cool, but she looks like she is going to be on the undercard, so I don't know if I'll be able to see her when I watch Bellator that night, but, um, yeah, Chel Sonnen versus Tito Ortiz, I'm really excited for man, this isn't about titles, it's just two tough dudes going at it, both, uh, high-level wrestlers, uh, I feel like Tito Ortiz is a little bit better in the striking department, but we have seen... Uh, Chell Sonnen dropped guys like Anderson Silva. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. And you know that uh, Chell has uh, 
they've competed in wrestling before. Chael pinned Tito in, in about 40 seconds when uh, they were competing in college. I don't know if you knew that uh, that little. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I remember you telling me that before. Um, and yeah, do you think Tito Ortiz still has nightmares about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was like. It was one of those things. He said it was like one of the worst days of his life. It was like his birthday, <laughs> and then uh, I don't. I, it was just like one of those days where like nothing could go right for him. So, but I, I don't know. The the trash talk for this has been a little underwhelming because you always expect the world from uh, from Chael in the trash talk department. But um, I, I feel like he's been a little bit off his game since coming to Bellator and then Tito's trash talk is just awkward. He says stuff like, I'm going to beat you until you're beaten. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's what, that's what it feels like when he talks. It's just, it's just so, it's so awkward, but I I do think it's going to be a good fight, especially since they have uh, history and they've competed in wrestling. So, uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I'm definitely going to tune into this Bellator card. And, you know, the Bellator cards have been uh, surprisingly good lately. Um, you know, they're getting away from the kind of freak show fights, like bringing in a 55-year-old Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie and <laughs> and Dada 5000 and all, all that nonsense that, you know, is great for ratings and bringing in the casual fan, but... You know, as an MMA fan, you don't really want to see garbage like that. Um, but I think, I think you know, they're definitely getting a lot of high-level talent. I mean, that last card that was headlined by Ben Henderson and Michael Chandler, that was a fucking fight. That was one of the best fights of the year, uh, in my yeah. opinion. Um, so, you know, big things on the horizon for Bellator. And then eventually Rory McDonald's going to be healthy enough to fight. So uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting matchups there. Um, so let's get to on the rocks. Have you, uh, had anything interesting to drink lately, Jeff? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, nothing that really stands out to me. Oh, all right. Just the, all right. So I've been, um, I've been playing with these infusions a lot. So, uh, you know, you tried the, the bacon bourbon that I did a couple of weeks ago. Yes. I remember really enjoying that one. It was good. (laughs) Yeah, tastes like bacon. <laughs> yeah, so how could you go wrong? Tastes like bacon and whiskey. Um, I actually uh, I made old fashions with that, and um, it, it tastes pretty good. So another infusion that I found uh, came out really great. I took some Altos tequila, which is uh, silver tequila, and I infused it with ginger. So I sliced up some fresh ginger, real thin, and... I just kind of put the slices uh, in a mason jar with some tequila. I let that infuse for about two weeks and, uh, you know, mix it up occasionally. Just when I walk by my bar, I just kind of pick it up and give it a shake. And uh, it it actually came out really good. Uh, It gives it kind of like a little bit of a spiciness from the ginger. And then I also did it with a splash of uh, Zevia ginger ale. So Zevia is the sugar-free, calorie-free soda that I've talked about on the show a couple of times. So if you're looking for, you know, an alternative of a mixer that 
doesn't give you the sugar and the calories, uh, Zevia is the way to go because it actually tastes really good too. So uh, I do the ginger-infused tequila with uh, Zevia ginger ale and, you know, just a splash of it, and it tastes really good. And the, the ginger-infused tequila tastes nice on its own. So uh, that's what I've been toying with lately, and I'm going to be trying some more infusions uh, coming up. i got a couple of different ideas. But if anybody has any suggestions or, or something I should try, then uh, please let me know. All right, Jeff, uh, anything else you want to get off your chest this week? Nope, I got nothing for you today, Bill. All right, cool. Well, if uh, you have any commentary on anything that you've heard on the show, then uh, as always, feel free to reach out to us. Don't be shy. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking. You can find Jeff on Twitter at animal underscore Wilson. And, of course, you can reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at MMA on the Rocks. Or you can go to MMAontherocks.com and you can send a message that way anytime. If you're listening anywhere else, the show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and pretty much any other podcast app. If we're not on your favorite podcast app, let me know and uh, I'll get on it. Uh, If you're digging the show, please go on and leave a review and let us know your feedback. All right, that's all we got for this week. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.